Amen. Sweet, let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for um, what will be thousands and thousands and thousands of hallelujahs if we were to reflect just the just the joy that can come when the gospel encounters someone's life, just one life alone, and the, the multiplication of that, God, not only in our church, but in our area, in our nation, around the world, from the very beginning that your redemptive story happened until you bring it all to a close. There are thousands upon thousands of hallelujahs. And we thank you for the joy and the way that plays out in our context and in our lives specifically. And I pray that this morning, even as we walk towards the truth that is going to lead our church for a season, I pray that you would um, give us a sense of wanting to see the hallelujahs become a part of our life around the subject that we have in front of us this morning. And so, God, I just pray for that, ask that you would lead us in a way that would honor and glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat and get your Bibles out. Um, As many of you know, a few weeks ago... um, uh, I, I told you that uh, uh, my uh, daughter and I were on a, a trip to Ireland to support the church that, uh, that Christ Church supports, Hope Church in Dublin. We got back from Ireland yesterday, so it is like middle of the afternoon for me, which is good, okay? If it was evening, it might get a little crazy in the message, but I'm hopeful. Um, I'm blown away by what God is doing over there, and I'll give a, a more full update next week, but um, huge blessing also uh, to not just be with the people there, but to see my own daughter's heart for ministry and love for God and his people, and uh, uh, thank you for your prayers, And um, but this morning, uh, what we have in front of us is... Um, a message that um, I was so excited to get back for and to have an opportunity to lead our church into because uh, anyone who's been around our church over the past few years, probably I think year two, we started this in the history of our church. Um, Just um, a, a message that's leading us into a Lent season. And uh, the six weeks leading up to Easter um, historically, Lent has been a time to, uh, to slow down uh, through fasting to carefully process the love of God seen in the gospel. And unfortunately, in some backgrounds, Lent has become nothing more than just uh, some ceremonial uh, thing, uh, some just a uh, pattern from the past that's just done just because they think they have to. But um, here, uh, each uh, year during Lent, what we want to do is a really purposely set aside time to slowly process through something that fits within that gospel theme that that prepares us for a good Friday and Easter. And so uh, this year, we're focusing on forgiveness. And so I told you a few weeks ago, we sort of had these two verses at the very end of, um, right in the middle of of chapter six in uh, Matthew. And so if you could turn there, And just read along with me these two verses that we're coming back to because they're so important for kingdom culture. It's this, verse 14. Jesus said, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
Listen, there's nothing that I want more for each and every person that would come and be a part of the community that we believe God is trying to build in and through Christ church. There's nothing I would want more than for you to fully and completely live into the blessing of God. To live into everything that God has for you. To, to experience the, the fullness of God in your life, to experience the power of knowing and experiencing God. I, I want you, I long for you, I pray for you to come out of the insecurity of this world and stand on the security of the gospel. I want your roots to go down deep into the, into the rich soil of God's kingdom, to live from that place and to invite other people to join you in it. That's what we're chasing after. And if you want to live into the blessing of God, three things must be working, operating, uh, coming to life, being embodied in your life and in mine all the time, each and every day. The three things are salvation, repentance, and forgiveness. Salvation, Living into all that God has offered you and putting your faith in Christ so that you can partake of it. Repentance, a turning from sin and um, pursuing after the things of God. And then out of those two, a forgiveness that plays out both vertically in your relationship with God and horizontally with others. And so today we launch this, a six-week season to focus on forgiveness to slowly work through this critical subject in kingdom culture. In this passage right here in, in Matthew 6, Christ is highlighting the importance of forgiveness between God and individuals, both horizontal and vertical, and the connection between them. So seeing that, let's just start with the really clear big idea here that Jesus is framing up. It's this, it's God's kingdom teaches and trains you to be a forgiving person. It's forgiveness. The definition that quite simply is this, to stop taking an offense into account. We're like, our culture is just so good at this. It should be easy for us. No sense of retribution in our culture, no sense of like revenge. That doesn't seem to be a part of our culture at all. This shouldn't be pretty easy. Sarcastic. Through God's work of redemption, what he wants to do is he wants to establish a people who they know forgiveness, biblical forgiveness. They live as people who are forgiven vertically and they let forgiveness flow into all relationships. To accomplish this, what God does is he teaches you first to have a, a posture towards forgiveness. Then second, he, 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 he teaches us to, to walk carefully through a process of forgiveness. So it's posture, then it's process. And then so that we can experience the prize of forgiveness. Posture, process, and prize. Let's look at each one first. Posture. A posture of forgiveness is, is seen in the person that just genuinely, and I see this all over the body of Christ, we need, we need a revival of this even more deeply and more fully and completely in your life and in my life, is that there's a, a, a position, a posture that someone has, they're just ready to forgive. 
They're ready to forgive. They're, they're, not, they're not defensive or, or guarded or ready to attack, but they just seem to live in this place where they're overflowing with grace and mercy. Because, not because they just, they just, they just let people walk all over them, not, not that sort of, of posture, but because of their deep knowledge and experience of God's forgiveness. If you want this posture to be formed in you, here's the truth you need. This posture is formed before the cross of Jesus Christ. This posture is formed in the shadow of the cross. When you live your life there, contemplating and understanding what Christ has done for you, that's where the posture is formed every time in the kingdom of God in kingdom culture. See, what I want you to see is Matthew 6, 14 and 15 is not saying that God's forgiveness is conditional upon your ability to forgive others. That if there's some relenting of forgiveness as you're working through some situation, that then God withholds or something is at risk there. What he's saying is, is that forgiveness cannot be one directional. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying if forgiveness flows from God to you, and if that's really happened, then it must flow from you to others. It must be multi-directional. And if forgiveness is rightly flowing from you to others, then it must be flowing from God to you because the only people who know how to really forgive are ones who understand God's ultimate great forgiveness. There's an interconnectedness between God forgiving you and you forgiving others. That's what's being pointed out here. Let me say it another way. If you say you've been forgiven by God, but you are refusing to forgive others, not that the forgiveness might be difficult, please, I hear you. I've walked in places where forgiveness is a little difficult because of the pain of the offense. But if you're refusing, you have to question whether you've truly known and experienced God's forgiveness. Experiencing God's forgiveness changes your posture towards forgiving others. When you stand before the holiness of God, absolute, pristine perfection of God, and you recognize that, that in, you, you see the darkness and the ugliness and the depth of your own sin and depravity and weakness and brokenness as you're exposed literally by God's holiness. And you see your sin more clearly. As you see your sin more clearly, the power of Christ's forgiveness becomes more amazing. Right? Like to... to, to to know this is to, is to understand that, that through faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross, like I'm forgiven. And, and, and through his death in my place, every fabric of my being rejoices like unmerited favor, unconditional, nothing being withheld in the blessing of his forgiveness over my life. And so when you see the degree of God's forgiveness, it, it has to do a number on your capacity to forgive, it literally changes your posture. It, it forms in you this, this sense of love and graciousness that should naturally begin to move out and press out into 
relationships, even hard, broken relationships. You want to forgive when you understand his forgiveness because you experience the freedom of forgiveness. You, you want to experience it because you've, you've felt the impact and the blessing of forgiveness. You don't want to hold sin against another. When your identity is forgiven, in Christ, it, it even gives you stability. That identity gives you stability to endure in forgiveness over and over again when people sin against you. Remember when Peter came to Jesus and he was like, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? He's like, Psh, I got this. I understand forgiveness. I'll do it seven times, Jesus. And then Jesus responds, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now we've studied that passage before in our church and the reality is, is that the point was not, Jesus' response was not to give a specific number. He's not like, well, when you get to 77, then 78, you're like, done. No more forgiveness. 77 was a, a number to represent um, perfection and almost an infinite amount of it. It was to say that there's no limit to forgiveness. Jesus calls us to a posture of forgiveness. And there's, there's really two types of posture we can have. So I need two people to help me out. Rakes, I heard you guys got volunteered for this, so come on up. And so... Um, one of you stand over here. Roger, you stand right here. I'm going to go first with you, and then Caitlin, you can stand over there. Okay, so, so a posture teaches and represents so well. So first, we'll start with a, um, a more defensive posture. So could you just like cross your arms, like look, you're just so genuinely nice. So you got to look a little skeptical, a little angry at the crowd, just like has, has as much of a defensive posture as you can. And then Caitlin, I want you to sit over here, and I want you to sit down. And I want you just to like look like just welcoming and you know, not hands crossed, just sort of open. She's like, she's like, yeah, exactly how I am with my children all the time. I know, I know the way it goes. And so when you, when you notice posture, we pick up on it and we communicate a lot from the physical way we represent. I remember early people telling me that in counseling people, you don't want to have your arms crossed and sort of like sitting forward with like a sort of angry face, not your best move. Even if you're just genuinely at peace, you kind of want to sit and, and posture represents something. And when you see this, you go, who's more approachable? Who's more approachable? Who seems to be ready to sort of listen and process and move towards forgiveness? See, your posture should mirror, should reflect towards others, God's posture towards your own sin. And so if your posture is like, like Roger over here, like there's an aspect where you go like, do, do you know what Jesus has done for you? And how that should be reflected in your tone and your posture towards others. But over here, you've got a way more of a genuine, just like, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to process through whatever might be the reality that needs to be processed through. Posture matters. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand. Great, great work. And so, listen, listen, here's the thing. You change your posture by encountering the grace and mercy of God. 
There's no substitute. Like, like you, you, you can't fake this. Because so many times in relationships, both, both in the ways that you fail before God and in the ways that relationships are marked by failings and struggles and, and, and offenses, that, that this, you can't work your way to being a forgiving person. Being a forgiving person comes from a supernatural encounter with God's forgiveness. To, to, to live before the cross regularly and to, and to stare into the reality of the, of the loving affection that Jesus had for you that put him on the cross for you in your place. To be overwhelmed by that and captivated by it is the only way that your posture is changed. It's reflected in our worship I think it's one of the beautiful parts of gathering together and worshiping is to remind ourselves like, like, like just you see people over time sometimes in worship come in and they're just like the weight of the world's on their shoulders. And they're just like, Argh. the coffee really doesn't help that much. They're just like, okay, I'm awake but still angry and my posture. And then you watch as the truth of something about the gospel dawns on their heart and you start to see the hands sort of come down and maybe start here and, and then hands begin to be raised and sometimes the, the emotion is seen in other places and there's a posture. God's kingdom teaches and trains you to be a forgiving person. That's the first thing. It starts with posture. Next, the scriptures help you with the process. How do you move toward forgiveness? Remember, that when you move towards forgiveness, you are walking towards the ugliness of sin in people's hearts. It, not, just, not, just in their, not just in their hearts, but in their thoughts and in their actions. It's a mess. That's why you see in scripture, and we're gonna unpack it a little bit to just, to, just to encourage all of us and help us in this because it's a mess. And it's, it's when, you're, when you're encountering sin between two people, it's dark, it's, it's painful, there's lots of emotions, there's lots of baggage. So I got another picture. I invite my wife up. Everybody go, uh-oh. So here's the thing, Ames, you can sit there. Here's the reality that, that happens every time we're dealing with sin and why the process is so important for us to understand. What happens is, is that whenever there is something that happens, there is a, I'll set it next to you. We'll, we'll put it behind you because it's sometimes not quite seen. There is, there is a bag of brokenness and sin that when we walk into any sort of conflict between us, the first thing that you have to recognize is there's stuff that we bring into it that isn't even about what's, um, what's between us. So, so in the process, the reason why God's so careful in the process is because he, he wants us to slow down in this process also because Anytime Amy and I might have an offense or a conflict between us, which happens like once every like two years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's married is like, yeah, he's lying. And um, 
And so the reality is, is I could have a number of things that are playing out in regards to brokenness and sin that I bring into the conversation, into the process of forgiveness. In addition, Amy's got some things that she brings into it. And so what happens is, is it just sort of, we've got to navigate through these things. Also, we've got to navigate through the offense. This is why the process is so important that we walk carefully through it. Thanks, Ames. And... Um, and, and, and we, we do this all the time in our relationships, particularly in, in enduring relationships like marriage. And so don't rush. Don't rush. I'm going to give you a process, but this is not a process to rush this. It's not a process to get the, get the checklist checked off as fast as possible. There's two places in the New Testament where you see a process around forgiveness, both in Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 2, and in Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Let me walk through the process as I see it playing out in Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Here it is, first one. First part of the process is to prepare your mind and heart. It's Colossians 3, 1 through 7. In that passage, it talks about setting your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. To get your eyes on the kingdom of God. To in your heart, to put to death what is earthly. So critical as an entrance into this process of forgiveness. To inventory your heart and sometimes to come and be before I even sit down in the moment where I've got to navigate an offense. I've got to deal with the trash of sin that I'm going to bring into it. And I want to get clean and I want to get my eyes off earth and on to heaven. We just rush. Second in, um, is to neutralize anger. You see this again in the Ephesians passage, but it says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. These are specific responses marked by anger, and it will hijack forgiveness. I mean, how many of you in the midst of navigating some forgiveness has, has let a word slip and you're like, rewind button, I just want a rewind button because now I just extended this conversation by hours. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, just add that into my baggage. Neutralize anger. Emotions in your heart, you see this in the passage. There are emotions in your heart, there are thoughts that you can think, and actions in your speech. You see them all right there in verse 8. So neutralize anger, then once that's complete... That's between you and the Lord. Then, verses 9 and 10, speak truth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the self, the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What I love about this is there's, there's, there's two ways that I'm speaking. One is to speak honestly about the sin or offense that needs to be addressed and also to speak the truth of the gospel over the situation. Man, we miss this. Like We sometimes get to the truth of the offense, but we don't place it within the beauty and the protection and the goodness of the gospel. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, so much there I could unpack. Speak truth. Then verse 11, start with unity in Christ. 
Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, a slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. At this point, when you're navigating conflict between two believers, what you're saying is you're saying, listen, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the weight of that reality is ratcheted up even more when you start talking about a covenant relationship like marriage or the fruit of that, your family. And you can find unity around that, but even in the context of the gospel, in the context of the kingdom of God, like God forgive us when, we, when we're not starting with unity in Christ. And we're not going to focus on what could separate, but on unity in Christ. And then after that, verse 12 uh, put on the character of Christ. You can see how important this is at this point. We're, we're, getting, we're getting the forgiveness, but to look at the preparation before we even get to it. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Think, think about these. Do, do, we, do we need these in uh, conversations where we're processing through brokenness and sin? Look what it says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Think, think about the way a compassionate heart causes you to, to not just look at the offense between you, but to look at what the other person is carrying and with compassion go, I see that you're in a season right now where this might feel heavier because of what you're carrying, because of the way you were slighted at work, because of the broken relationship in your past, in your family, and, and maybe a memory or reality of that or a broken relationship that isn't yet resolved or, or some issues that you're carrying. And compassionate hearts look at that and go, you know, I'd actually love to be sensitive to that and, and open to that and understand how that might have contributed to the offense that's between us. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. It's purposeful. It's careful. It's letting our identity and the need for all of that identity to be put on and then and only then prepare your mind and heart, neutralize anger, speak truth, start with unity in Christ, put on the character of Christ, now move to forgiveness. Move to forgiveness. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You see the vertical part there again? <laughs> and, and so um, it's no longer taking, it's, it's choosing to no longer take that offense into account. It's, it's, it's honestly, don't miss the connection between a, 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 a forgiving one another and bearing with one another. Part of what it means to bear with one another, you can't bear with one another without also right after that forgiving. I think that's why they're so close together in this passage. It's choosing to carry their weaknesses and struggle and sin. It's, it's saying instead of looking at what they're carrying with compassion, it's like, listen, I'm going to help you carry this. I'm going to help you carry this. I'm going to work through this with you because I love you and I want to be patient in how we work through this. There's two critical points here. First, in every situation, everyone needs to be ready to forgive. We need to be ready to forgive. Remember the posture? And when you've prepared your heart and you've washed it with the gospel, the first five there, you're now ready to move to forgiveness. You might even be, even I, I might encourage us to, 
to be excited and even encouraged by what God's doing in your own heart to cause you to be ready to do whatever is necessary to bear with one another to move to forgiveness. In addition, uh, I want to remind us that biblical forgiveness involves four promises. I've been super helped in the history of our church from Peacemaker by Ken Sand. He says biblical forgiveness involves four promises. So if we move to forgiveness, if you're coming to a place where where you're there, you're saying in I forgive you, I will not dwell on this incident. There is two, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. I will not talk to others about this incident, cutting off the way that gossip can keep someone under the shame and condemnation and guilt. And I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. That's a condition of forgiveness. Hundreds, married almost 23 years to my wife, hundreds and thousands of moments of needing to go, either will you forgive me or yes, I forgive you. Constant, constantly required in relationships. And at seasons and times, even more so. The final part of the process after a moving to forgiveness is to walk forward in love. That passage in Colossians, it ends, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I guess you know that a conflict's resolved if you can sing together. Because I promise you, that's the last thing you want to do if it's not resolved. You're like, yeah, I'm not singing. I don't think so, not yet. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And again, you see the vertical component here. Now, two critical clarifications. This one. If you are being abused in any capacity, or even wondering if what you're walking through in a relationship is a level of abuse... This passage and others like it are never calling you to endure under it. Call the police, contact the church, get counsel and support. Okay, I just want to be explicitly clear there. Two, this process is primarily outlined for forgiveness between believers this, is, this, this gets people, I think, at times, and I have a, a family of a variety of people, some who believe in Christ and some who don't in my extended family, and, and listen, this, is, this process can be really helpful to walking towards forgiveness with unbelievers, but it'll be one-sided oftentimes. Uh, to some degree, their view of forgiveness will be flawed, and oftentimes in walking towards it, it's not a hopeful picture. It's kind of bleak. Just have the right expectations. Apart from the the, the work of Jesus Christ on your heart, it would be bleak also for you. But when working through relational brokenness with the lost, I want to encourage you to even more be careful to walk through the process because you're proclaiming Christ with how you engage these issues. And I want, I, want, I want God to shine through us in this. 
Learn this process. Walk slowly in it, whether you're dealing with a non-Christian or a Christian. Um, last summer, I, I want um, you guys to know that, that God, um, God took me to the mat, would be the best way to say it, on this subject. Um, he supernaturally convicted me in a way that was just unbelievable in how I was rushing through the process of forgiveness. I could have given you the categories, but honestly, the, the picture that God gave me is that I was, I was rushing too quickly with, with, um, with things that, that were playing out in my relationships with different people. And when I had some sort of offense, what I was doing is I was rushing too quick just to put a bow on it. And I wasn't really giving the space and time that the process of forgiveness needed, both for me and for the other person. So, so if, you, if you rush too quickly, you can get all the categories, right? You can be like, hey, I'm really sorry I offended you, and I hurt you. And then the other person's like, well, you know, hey, I've, I, I, and you're asking for forgiveness. You're like, will you forgive me? And they're like, yes, I forgive you. And you're like, sweet, bow on it, done. And then the person who you've offended is kind of like, um, I, I, I think there's still more to the process. This happens all the time. It happens a lot in marriage. It happens a lot in, 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 in relationships that have maybe enduring struggles or where there's been a really significant injury in the past. You can't rush to put a bow on it. Because what was happening is I was putting a bow on it while, while what was still in it was just gross. And it wasn't reconciled. See, the process of forgiveness goes, you know what? I'm not going to put a bow on this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open it and we're going to navigate through it. And sometimes we're going to have to come back to it because the emotion of it has been stirred up in you. Maybe reasons that are my fault or maybe not my fault. But we're going to come back to this and I'm going to leave this open so that we can navigate the trash of this, of what's happened and, and work to bring redemption to it and healing both for your heart and for my heart in conviction so that God can begin to continue to heal me from the thing that caused the hurt. I was quickly wrapping up situations and just wanting to move forward. I had the categories right, but I was impatient. And when the process is rushed, it can create all sorts of problems. We cannot rush the process. We have to walk like Christ walks with us. In mercy, in long-suffering, and in the patience of God. Knowing that what forgiveness is, is not the point where you just put the bow on it. The forgiveness is the moment when you say, hey, 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 listen, we can now process through this. It's the first move. It's not the end move. It's forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. And based on the level of injury, that could take moments and it could take years. And God forgive us for the times that we rush to put a bow on it. But instead, we move with a heart to, to walk slowly from the brokenness through to forgiveness and to reconciliation and to restoration and to carefully walk through repentance and even move with a heart for restitution at times. To what extent can I go? 
To look at at Christ on the cross almost requires when we understand the distance that he went to, to cover our sin for us to go, to what extent can I go? Practice the process slowly and carefully over time. Don't rush to put a bow on it. And sometimes what we need, and, and I've been so deeply helped by, by the body of Christ to, to help me navigate through these realities. And we need believers to walk with us, and, and, and we need this all the time in the church. We need to be engaging in that. And a relationship that oftentimes he's mentoring in forgiveness, in walking to a place of reconciliation and restoration is marriage. And we end up with so many different marriages coming to our church for care and need and we love to serve them. But recently our elders and our leaders realized that we can't do it alone. And so in January we had this marriage mentoring, a training with a number of experienced couples in our church. and, and, um, And you got, as you came in this morning, a card, a marriage mentoring card. And I want you to know that starting this morning, we are inviting couples in our church to fill this out. You can use the card this morning. You can sign up. And maybe you just need some strengthening or or some encouragement in your relationship. Or maybe there's some places that you need some counsel. And this is how we lean on others to work through this process. I've gotten so much counsel in my marriage and a variety of places of people just mentoring me. And so we want, we want to go after this. And so if, if you want to respond this morning to that, you can fill that out now or sign up later. And if you fill that out, you just put it face down on your, on your chair as you leave. And we're going to collect those and, uh, and be careful, obviously, with that information. And so, but we would love to match you up with one of the marriage mentors that could minister to your marriage and walk through that. And the process that we have that we've been trained on is so much more thorough than anything we've, we've done in the past in our church and I'm thankful for this it's posture and then it's process church God's kingdom teaches and trains you to be a forgiving person and if it's if it's maybe in a category outside of marriage I want us to be a church that in our community we're counseling and encouraging one another in the process of forgiveness and then finally this finally chase the prize of being a forgiving person There's different prizes of forgiveness shown in the Bible. I want you to look. um, David paints the picture in Psalm 32, verse 1. He says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And the rest of the psalm, he builds up to this final announcement in verses 10 and 11. Read this. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. Anyone who's walked outside of forgiveness and the culture of forgiveness found in the kingdom of God knows the sorrows of the wicked. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. And as a result of being surrounded by the love of God, he says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The highest Um, prize of forgiveness is to be surrounded by the love of God. 
Some of us, our experience of being loved by God is literally being restrained by either our ability to understand God's forgiveness over our hearts and lives. I've had so many people in my ministry career walk into the church and be nervous and I'll, I'll see them and I'll walk up to them and it's like, I just don't feel like I deserve to be here with what I've done. And I'm like, you don't know Jesus. Because if you knew Jesus, you'd rush into this place. And you would fall before the cross of Jesus Christ and receive the covering that your sin needs that's been completed and full in what Christ accomplished. And, and also, the, the, the walking in the love of God is restrained by our inability to walk in forgiveness rightly. The response then to be surrounded by the love of God is gladness and rejoicing and shouting for joy. And I want to call us, church, to chase this prize of forgiveness. To chase it. It is the, 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 the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan. It's, it's the part of, 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 even our mission as a church is to represent forgiveness to the world. To chase the prize of forgiveness. To be like, even when the bag is full, excuse me, I almost tripped, um, got so excited about this, but even when the bag is full of sin that I'm rushing towards this and willing to unpack this because of the love of God, we cannot let the world Define biblical forgiveness. The culture is attacking it. It's, it's literally tearing it apart piece by piece. It's altering the meaning of forgiveness and promoting unforgiveness. So we have a culture that when wronged, they try to power through it. They make unreasonable demands or respond with just more sin. They let the offense literally poison their soul, but act like they're stronger than it. And they become driven by revenge and retribution and anger, control or self-protection. They seek a prize that will never satisfy, never bring peace, but literally only accelerate the impact, the poisonous impact of unforgiveness. No prize is more satisfying, enduring and multiplying than being surrounded by the love of God. Kingdom culture has to flow with forgiveness all the time. Any enduring relationship with me or with you is going to require a culture of forgiveness. And listen, listen, let me just encourage you also for some of you who might be in situations that I can understand and have compassion towards. That the fruit of forgiveness is a harvest of righteousness. Even, hear me, even in situations where the people who hurt you never ask for forgiveness, never take ownership for their own sin, completely reject you or leave you in a way that has prevented you or will prevent you from even engaging the conversation. Listen, the reality of what Christ has done can put you in a position and you can move towards a process and come to a place where as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone and you've strived to do that. And the stability of the vertical forgiveness that Christ gives you can cause you, even in a place where there is heartbreak and disappointment horizontally, that you can live with the joy of being surrounded by the love of God vertically. Some of you need that this morning. You need to receive that truth because we've got to chase the prize of forgiveness. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. 
And so here's what we want to do as a church to help us chase this because the process can't just be uh, a finished with a bow put on it this morning or I would be inconsistent with what I already taught. First, um, there is a Lent guide that we've used every year around the subject and uh, this is to help you uh, chase it. It's to give you space to process it. The Lent guide will help you walk through forgiveness more deeply. The guides are available in the lobby. They've been printed off, but even more convenient, mychristchurch.org slash Lent will be a downloadable version of that, and you can print it off, and you can uh, journal all around it and take notes like I hope you would because we got to process through some things, church. Second, as I talked about within the context of marriage, sometimes the, the relationship that requires so much forgiveness to be what God's called it to be. So I want to encourage you again, if your marriage needs encouragement or strengthening or counsel, just fill that card out or submit your names online and we would love to walk alongside you. Thirdly, is what we want to give time for right now. As we launch into this season, we want everyone to respond to the call to know God's forgiveness and to be a forgiving person. As you came in, you got this, you got this sticker. And as you see around the room, we've got this um, kind of butcher block paper. And, uh, and what we're going to do this morning is here's the prompts that, um, that I want us to think through and I want you to process through before the Lord this morning. I want you to take this out right now and uh, if you didn't get one, raise your hand and we'll have an usher bring you one if you didn't get one of these stickers on your way in. And, and so here's what I, I want you to write on this sticker. Anonymous, just this. Is there an area with God vertically that you're like, God, I need to know your forgiveness in regards to this, fill in the blank. Or, or, or maybe there's an area in your relationships where you're like, help me seek forgiveness for, and you fill that out. There's a place you're stuck or maybe the, the guilt and shame that you're feeling. You're like, I'm, I'm reluctant to move towards this. God, would you, would you move in me and help me to move towards this and to ask for forgiveness? Or maybe there's something that's been done to you that you're asking God, God, would you give me forgiveness towards this person? I want you to write down the, 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 that person I want you to write down the offense. And then as this song is sung, I want us to even begin to do this right now and write some things down. I see some of you already writing. We're asking for a revival of forgiveness. And for a revival of forgiveness, we have to move by faith. And so sometimes writing something down before God can be a way of, of literally saying it and communicating it. And then in this next song, as you feel ready, I want you to go up and I want you to put your sticker on one of those uh, papers that's around the thing. And over these next six weeks, we're going to spend some time in our service and even some other moments like in the Fresh Encounter this week, praying that God would literally let you see the forgiveness that's flowing perfectly from him and fill you in such a way that the forgiveness of God could move through you right to these situations where there has been struggle or pain or difficulty. 
And I understand that we're running in this right up against some very, very difficult things. And so we just want to give you time right now just to write something down. I'm, I'm praying that each and every person would have something and we're going to fill these sheets of paper. And so as this song is sung, I want you to both write and you can make a move and just get up and put it on one of these and find a space for that so that we can see them. And we're going to sing this song over you right now and then I'm going to pray for us after the song. Let's take this time to write this down and to respond in this way. Let's move, church. We're asking God for a revival of forgiveness. Let's do it now as they sing over us.